Hello. Oh, good morning, sir. How are good you? Good morning. I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Tired again, but other than that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't get a break from that, do you? Well, I had a little bit of a break, but now it's back to no break again. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get enough sleep. I, I, uh, <laughs> Once I you hit a certain age, you just can't. <laughs> I found myself occasionally around 6 o'clock at night just saying to my wife, who works way harder than me and gets less sleep than me, I'll just say, you know, I feel like if I slept for a week, I could reboot. I just need to go somewhere where they could just knock me out for a week. Like, phys- is it a physical kind of tiredness or a mental or a combination? Oh, goodness. Uh, I sometimes think that the physical part is secondary to my utter mental exhaustion and emotional exhaustion. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm discovering that sleeping late does not make me feel better on days when I can. Like, I have one day a week where I don't have to do something early in the morning, and I try to sleep in a little bit, and then I'm just like, for the rest of the day. That's the thing is, like, it, it. it's the bouncing back that used to happen that never happens anymore like when in when you're 25 years old and you get a, a hard night or two or you you know pull an all-nighter writing you know writing a, a document or working on a website or something like that um you could bounce back from it like you could oh i got a good night's sleep last night i'm fine now that's still not really enough is it it's not and also i do this really selfish thing that i shouldn't do and I talked about this on the show with Syracuse, but sometimes I do this thing where, uh, like last night, you yeah. know, I'm getting, I'm getting tired. I'm actually feeling tired around like, you know, 8.30 or 9. I'm like, you know, I could go to bed right now. And then my family goes to bed and I'm like, okay, now it's daddy's time. And so I, I open up iTunes or I open up, you know, the Apple TV. And I'm like, hmm, I haven't watched Looper in a while. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 10.30 is a great time to start watching a movie. God, that's such a, I love that movie. Looper. I love Joseph Looper. Gordon. A Looper. Looper. A Looper, a caddy. I love, uh, I love, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Jo- Joseph Gordon Ben Levitt. What's his name? Jo- He's great in that. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah. With the, uh, with the, uh, what do they call that? A, 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 a blue, a Bloomberg. A Bloomberg? I thought you were talking about a prosthetic. The gun, the gun, the gun. The, blunder, the blunderbuss? The blunderbuss. Got to put your blunderbuss here. Paul Dano's good in that too. You seen that movie? The blunt, blunder, blunderbuss? Blunder, blunderbuss. Love that movie. Todd Haynes movie? No. Uh, have you seen, you've seen The Looper? The Loop Looper? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have seen it. And it's great. And any movie that involves time travel and Bruce Willis and, and is perfect for a late night uh, viewing. Just like it's up there with uh, Downton Abbey for, for a movie you, or a show you just can't stop watching. Because you love time travel. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And that's actually take place downtown, though. They should no, clarify that. I hate that. It's stupid British pronunciation. Is it even an Abbey? It's more like it's more like Country House. That would yeah. be a better name for that show. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Um, yeah, yeah. I like that movie. I like Paul what, Dano. What part in of that. it do you like about it? What's your favorite? I, I there's a I don't know exactly. We again we we talked about this a few times on the show with Circusa because it's uh, the genre of. I don't know if it's even a genre, but I like movies like Synecdoche, New York. I like movies like now I've finally, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it. But I can't even well, pronounce that movie. Yeah. Well, some people hate it and that's okay. Um, but I like, and I, I like Looper. I like Inception. I like Primer or Primer as it's come to be called. <laughs> um, I like, uh, I like time travel movies a lot. And I like, I like movies where like, it's just in the pocket for me where I have to think about it a lot, but I don't think about it enough to really like go, Oh, is this plausible? Mm-hmm. I like mind effy movies. 
And so I'm very, I'm very attracted to those. What are some other examples of that? Um, you know, even like I say, even stuff like Edgar Wright movies, they're, they're so engrossing to me because Edgar Wright puts so much care, even something like, you know, a, a popcorn comic movie like Scott Pilgrim, there's just so much effort in there to like tell a story with images and foreshadowing and like, you know, you, I don't know, you feel cared for in a movie like that. What, what about you? For me, time travel, I, I've always thought time travel was such a wonderful device to use in in sci-fi movies because there's so many different approaches to it. There's the approach that uh that like Futurama will take a lot of the time and they have some real fun with time travel which is the the philosophy that you know and we what was the the movie that we were talking oh, yeah, pre, pre, predestination. about predestination. That's another one perfect example. Where yeah. you you know where if you you even though you may not have done it yet in the current uh, in your current timeline, if you go back in time five years from now, you've always gone back in time and affected your life and done the thing that you were going to do. And it's impossible to change the past and change time. And I, I always find that fascinating and the exploration of of that, that you're going to do something that will eventually wind up taking you to exactly where you are already right now that you can't. Yeah. Like, like on Dr. Who, you know, a fixed, a fixed point in time, right? Like, there's no way you can't do this. And you know, I, I, I would just say, uh, go check out the movie spoiler, uh, movie spoiler, excuse me. I need more coffee. <laughs> check out the movie spoiler by Merlin man. I'm going to tell you how it ends. Check. Out. Hey, have you seen that? Have you seen spoiler? It's really it's, good. It's great. Oh my God. It turns out, it turns out the pig was actually their son. They tell you in the first minute, it's awful. <laughs> Uh, the movie Looper. 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 A caddy. Shoots a Blumberg. What's a Blumberg? It's talking about the Blunderbuss? Blunderbuss. Blunderbuss. Chewbacca Bobblehead. (laughs) Browsable lookbooks. And there's there's a TV show that's coming out that has, uh, Harry Osborne. Or right. is it is it Harry Osborne? Which one is the son? Talking about the young one that went to college, or or the one that was in the uh, in Deer Hunter? The young, the younger, uh, the oh, one Harry who, Osborne. Yeah, Harry Osborne. He had, he had the drug problem. Yeah, he he goes back in time to try and stop the JFK assassination. I think it's a Netflix. Oh, that's a bad idea. No, it's good. It's gonna be good. That's a, no. It sounds like a good show. Terrible idea. If you anything. He, I'm sure, winds up causing the assassination. Somehow. You've got Man in the High Castle, uh, similar <laughs> kinds of themes. Um, I, I, uh, I enjoy that stuff. That predestination, boy, that one really, I guess I wasn't really quite prepared for what that movie was going to be, and I, I still think about it a lot. Um, yeah, I like a thing like that. And uh, what was my point? Oh, yeah. So in Looper, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil Looper, but uh, Looper, I, I imagine. Film. Well, I imagine this is something that has been just in reference to you here, though, without saying too much. There's something that, that happens in the first act of that movie I've never seen done before that involves what you're describing, which is something. That, so you've got a you end up having the crossing the streams or whatever, and there's the past you, there's the current you and the future you in the same time stream, and that causing something to physically happen to the old you has an impact doing something to the current you has an impact on the future you in a very kind of stunning way and that's you know something about yeah no i, I it, it's something you know that, he says uh, go and me go go to the place yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah um and i think that's i think that is the director ryan johnson i believe he did that movie 
And he's also the guy, turns out, the guy who's going to do uh, the next Star Wars movie. Oh, really? See, uh, the guy who did Looper. He, yeah, that would be, that makes sense. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, oh, that's going to be so good. And he also did the, the movie Brick, which I have uh, at John Syracuse's uh, suggestion uh, obtained a copy of, and I have not watched it. What's that about? Is good. Uh, it's about a brick. No spoilers. <laughs> There's a brick, and it turns out that he was dead the whole time. <laughs> That's not funny. Ryan Craig Johnson. <sighs> had some coffee. Me or pretty, you? I did. Had some coffee. Slept pretty well. Uh, nine o'clock is a little early for me. It's a little early for me. Want if you ever want to change this? Well, no, no. If you want to do what works for you, but if you ever want to change it to ten, I'd be okay with that. I might be able to make. That we see ten ten is my noon. That's a lunchtime thing. You want to do a I'm lunchtime so show? We bring get a pizza brought in. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll have pizza <laughs> ten a.m. That's what I'll do. <laughs> you people, you're 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 still you're still you've got that East Coast state of mind. Me? Yes. Yeah, it's funny because I get it because of Mike Hurley. So Mike Hurley will send me messages about things, and I wake up because he's he's got you know he's over in the england mm. and so like I, he's uh, he's up and he's cock of the walk it's it's 10 in the morning his time and like it's the middle of the night for me and i'm like ah there's things i have to do he's sending me messages and because <laughs> you know he controls my mind as that's, you know. see, i just think that's the 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 worst people overseas i have moved into central time and i want i want to be on pacific time here in texas right Everything kind of hinges around the time that I need to get my son to school. And it's completely, it's, it's so, you know, I mean, we talk about time management here and, and I've talked about in the past. I've been having a huge time management crisis when it comes to just the scheduling of this stuff, because I've been trying very hard to, as we, we talked about, uh, I've been doing sort of what started as rehab essentially for the lower back issues it has evolved into getting out of the rehab stage and into actually just like a like a physical training thing to to continue strengthening me as a a whole being and this also involves uh starting sort of walk jogging again and uh meditating again all these things that are beneficial for me that i uh, sort of as as we say in the meditation circles sort of fell off the cushion in mm. doing for a while and getting back into it it's great and i can i can really really see the benefits of it and like for, we've talked about this too that like in 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 the case of getting my back strong again like that's not something i have a choice about doing you i can't not do that so that has to fit that has to work even if it means you know, happening in the evenings or at ridiculous times in the mornings. Like I have to do that. But these other things like meditating or walking or jogging or whatever, it's so hard to fit those things in because like I've got to leave at 7 a.m. with my son in the car to get him to school. Like that, that has to happen. That's not a negotiable thing. It's five days a fixed a point week. in time. Right. Yeah. Fixed point. And mm-hmm. You know, however, it that makes it all darn near impossible to really do very much before that because I need to be ready to go at seven. And the thing is, his his school is five minutes away from my office. So to go from my house for, you know, 15 minutes. Oh, to so his, it benefits you heavily to be ready for ready work. for work and ready to go. Otherwise, I have to drive him out to school, walk him up to school, drive back to my house, then what, go for a jog, 
shower, then drive basically right back the same way to where I w- talk about carbon footprints. Mm, talk about it. And yeah, it's that's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. But then, you know, the alternative is get ready beforehand, which is fine. Like I can get up 630 and get ready in half an hour and take him to school. But then I'm not going to be able to do a sitting then. I'm not going to be able to, you know, go for a for a, a three mile run before that. Because why? Because then I would have to wake up at, at five in the morning. Well, why don't you wake up at five in the morning, Dan? Because for me to get even, even let's just say seven hours of sleep, which would be nice. Now I'm, I'm basically going to bed, uh, you know, 30 minutes after I get home, you know, it's, it, it, I, I need some time to do something. Well, why do you need that time? Can you get home earlier? You know, and it's, it's as it is, there's so much that we want to get done in a day and there's so much running back and forth. And yet I have this thing that, now, if he could, if we get him to school at eight, the whole world would be different. Everything would be wonderful based on the times that I'm comfortable waking up, going to sleep. And, uh, but of course, it, you know, you can't do that. So everything just becomes so much of a challenge. Forget the challenges that actually are at work with scheduling times and other things. But it's, I, I think a lot of people can relate to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a call uh, this past week with somebody uh, about, you know, this stuff. I don't know what to call it. It's just not coaching exactly. It's just a call with a nice person who wanted some help. And, you know, he was, uh, he's probably listening now. Hello, friend. Um, I, uh, he, he had a, a classic challenge. He has, he's, he's working his way through a classic challenge, which is that he's a guy who has a full-time job in development. He's got uh, a family. He's married and has two kids. And he's also writing a book uh, about a development language issue. And, uh, and he also does coaching, like, you know, physical athletic coaching right, stuff. Right, sure. So, you know, okay, so he's got a job. That's the job, right? You got to go to the job. He's got the family. And, you know, the family, I mean, even if you are a pretty bad parent like me, you still have stuff that you need to do at certain times. You know, that's, that's kind of fixed. Uh, he's, uh, working on this, this book that he's co-writing with somebody. So there's demands to like get that finished in a certain time frame, And, uh, and then there's, there's the coaching thing. And the coaching thing also then has the added effect, you know, as an athlete, he's somebody that needs to find time, you know, what it's like to, my wife is very athletic. She, if she doesn't get to work out several times a week, she's not a very happy person. Sure. So, you know, and his question is like, wh- what do I do here? And I- I'd be happy to talk about it because I think it's exactly germane to what we're talking about. Oh, very. But, well, yeah, I mean, I, but I think in, in this case, it's like, well, I mean, on the face of it, the first thing you have to look at is, wow, that's an awful lot of stuff to try and do for a couple of reasons. First of all, can I talk about this for a minute? Yes. Yes. This is excellent. Because on the one hand, you've got your job stuff where if you're going to do your job where you go to a place and, and make Ruby for eight hours, like you've got that, you've got to go be in that place. And that's mostly fixed. There are certainly times where obviously there's, if you have an emergency, go do your thing, but you're expected to more than 90% of the time be there during the workday. That's a third of your day. Um, then you've got the, the, the family thing to me is so interesting because in addition to having the stuff that has to happen, like in your case, getting the kid off to school right. earlier than you'd like, that's, that's not negotiable. You can't go to your school and try to negotiate a 10 a.m. start time. <laughs> right. so, so that has both now the aspects, at least, you know, if you've got a halfway decent, not halfway decent, but in most jobs, hopefully, you will have some constraints of you don't have to be here before then, you don't have to be here after then. 
Obviously, that changes a lot from job to job. But but the family part, you're, you're going to have the things you have to do at certain times of day. Kids have to eat. Kids have to bathe. Kids have to do their homework. Please do your homework. Please do your homework. Oh, I want to help you with your homework. Please don't cry. Please do your homework. You have to do the homework. But then also the family part has the added thing of like you you're you need to be on call. Like stuff is going to come up where you're going to be needed. And, you know, it's like our old joke on here. If you don't know who the primary parent is, it's probably the other person. <laughs> so like in my case, my, my wife, I, I very much is like the primary parent and I, I, I do what I can with my meager abilities. But even then, like there's going to be times where like, okay, this, this job has to change tonight. You've got to do this thing. Like in this case, tonight, my wife is going to an event for her work and I'll be hanging out with my kid. And so that's, that's great. But you see what I'm saying though? You've got the job with the family stuff, not just me, not just you, not just this guy with the family stuff that could, can, and will change a lot. And that makes it difficult, especially if somebody else is already doing a lot of the other work. So this is the setup. Now at that point, you've got, if you want to include sleeping and washing your balls a couple times a week, that's pretty much your, that's your week. Right. Really right there. Yeah. If you include all the other stuff, like having to buy groceries and things like that. And then on top of that, you say, well, I want to be able to like, you know, and, and what it didn't include in that is the obvious thing of like, I need to work out a few times a week. But then you add something like in this case, the, the uh, writing a book or some kind of a big project you've got outside of your standard job. And that's got a, this fixed date of like a deadline or something like that. So I guess, you know, on the face of it, the first thing, uh, my first impression, which I avoided saying to the guy at first was, well, how do I say this gently? Have you considered that you might be doing more things than you can do, let alone do well right now? Right. Was my first thought. But, you know, again, you don't want to drop any of that stuff. What are you going to drop? Are you going to, are you going to drop getting your kid ready for school? Are you going to just leave work at noon and hope nobody notices? Are you going to stop sleeping? Um, what are you, what are you going to do in order to now carve out those extra times to do something like an outside project? And so I had some suggestions for him that I will see in a month if it was useful, but I don't know. I think, I think it starts with a, as realistic as you can muster idea of what your actual commitments are now, which sounds simple. It sounds simpler than it is. Cause I think of us, most of us don't have an up-to-date full and realistic idea of what we're currently committed to. I think that's a very fair statement to make. We know there's a lot of stuff and we know it can be stressful, but you know, and this, this obviously as ever shades into the getting things done, uh, approach to things of, of saying like, well, you know, it's difficult to manage a large number of open-ended projects without knowing what state they're in and what you need to do next on them and roughly when. And I, I have to say for myself, like I have a rough idea of that. Mainly I know what the three biggest fires are right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a full sense of like, I don't, if I don't take the time to do something like a weekly review and look at all that stuff, I don't always have a fully up to date, date sense of like what my commitments are for the next little while. And here's a great example. I don't know if you had this, but there's a lot of stuff in the last quarter of the previous calendar year where stuff would come along and you know, the last quarter you're getting into in our case birthdays you have two birthdays an anniversary you have thanksgiving and you've got christmas so there's always another thing around the corner like a, you know a good family thing but this, there's been tons of stuff last quarter where i said yeah i would be interested in doing that but let's talk about it after the first of the year and i guess i didn't realize how many of those things i had done because i go you know 
like it's like the morning of the first business day after the first of the year and it's like ting 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 <laughs> it's like all the podcasts all the interviews all the stuff let alone let alone all the stuff i didn't know about where somebody else had been waiting till after the first of the year to to ask about it nothing bad about any of this but it was a little overwhelming and I found myself having to do that thing where I go, actually, you know what? I may have to punt this a little further because, you know, each one of those little holes you put in your week, that starts to accumulate. You know, if you if you are a person who is mostly kind of a little bit booked a lot of the time, adding two to five holes in that week is going to potentially make it stressful, especially if other people are involved. Again, if you're, if you're batching it and you're like all on your own and you get total control of your time, you get to go to movies and eat out like a person whenever you feel like it, like that's, you have more control over that and you can choose those sorts of things. But like, I think you have to be circumspect about that. And then at the same time, in this guy's case, coming back and going, okay, now I need to get serious about these other projects as well as keep these other things on the rails. And so I, I had some suggestions for him, but you know, when you agree, that's, that's kind of the challenge. Yeah, that is the, that is the challenge. And you know, like I was saying before, when you get to a certain point where you have that, that list of things that are immutable, that are fixed points in time, that are things that you absolutely have to do. I think as you get older or you get more family responsibilities or you, you have more obligations like that, those, that list grows in size, you know, so that at, at one point, I remember this is probably like 10 years ago uh, before any of us had kids. I was talking to a buddy of mine and, and we were, we were working on a project together at a company we both worked for. And he was saying that he's like, every morning I have to, you know, wake up at such and such a time now and go and check these log files. And he's like, this is, is, you know, I'm helping you on this particular project and I don't want to have to check the log files. That's something you should be doing. I'm like, okay. He's like, I don't want to have to do anything every day, you know? And he was like very opposed to the fact that there was this thing that was there and waiting for him to do that he had to do. It's different if he wants to do it or if he feels like doing it or just, he was okay with the general concept of showing up to work for example, like he knew he had to go to work every day, but the fact that there was this one specific task that he had, he had to perform every morning. And I remember thinking that he was a little bit sort of, uh, I don't know, protective about his unwillingness to do that in a way. But like, I also understood it. I understood the sense of like, yeah, there's this thing that's like hanging over you that now you have to do this every single day. And, you know, looking back, like, that was nothing, you know, now there's so many things that I have to do every day because of the, you know, the family that I have and the, the, you know, the business that I do and all of these other things that are like, yes, I, I need to do those things. But eventually there are certain ones that add up that like, gosh, I really wish there was something I could do differently to loosen that schedule just a little bit or free up some of that time just a little bit. And it, hopefully you have, you have something in there that addresses that. <laughs> Yeah, and a couple. But I think also this, what you're describing, I think is accurate. And I think it also helps explain why in particular, things like email and meetings are such a problem for a lot of us. Yeah, because you've, if you've got a certain amount of stuff, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make it sound like we're Obama or something, but like you got stuff to do. Right. And the problem is that if you've got something like, I don't think, I think even in this day and age, it's still not unusual to have like a weekly meeting at right, your job. Right. And I think it's also, I'm speculating, but I think it's also not entirely unusual for people to feel like maybe that's not a great use of their time. So if you find that you're spending, I mean, how many meetings do you have that are 15 minutes long? The, a weekly meeting is a classic example of like the hour to hour and a half meeting for most people. 
And you're like, oh gosh, if I could just get that hour and a half back. Like the value that I personally derive from this meeting does not earn the hour and a half of, of time coins that I'm spending on it. Like I could make so much better use of that hour and a half. And then of course, let's just, let's just make it a little, little worse. Uh, what if the meeting starts late? What if that meeting runs long? What if people aren't prepared for that meeting? And that now that's really starting to, to cut into you and it gives you that constant, uh, gnawing sense that there's a way we could probably do this more efficiently. Ditto with email. As with the family situation, you never know what's going to show up in email. That's what makes it email. It's not a drawer of cutlery. Email is a place where anything could show up. And so you, even if you're not a naturally anxious person like me, I think it's not unusual to feel like, eh, I should probably be checking that as well. So that's, that's the conditions that you start with. So it's not difficult at all to get to where you feel like between whatever you have to do at home and whatever you have to do at the office, you know, or work. These are, these are two things that can and will take up a huge amount of your time. Um, so you want to hear my suggestion? Yeah. Did you want to tell me about something you like? I, I can do that, but is this like a, like a teaser? Like we're going to, you know, make them wait? Yeah. In the industry, we call it a teaser. Okay. Let me tell you about Harry's 26. It is 2016. FYI. Are you kidding? No. Oh my God. I'm so not ready for this. And no, it is. And, uh, but you know what, as, as we've talked about lots of times on this show that the new year is a, a fresh start mindset you open your eyes and you say you know what this is the year that i start shaving better i stop overpaying for a great shave that's a resolution if you will a new mm. year's resolution i'm going to stop overpaying for a great shave but unlike most of our resolutions this is one you can actually do and uh and you know what i say i say try it out try it out with harry's mm-hmm. german engineered five blade cartridges that they ship out to you you will not cut yourself. You will not create razor burn. And if you do, if there's something that happens and you're not 100% happy, they give you a full refund. Did you know that? That's a thing that they, that they do there. At I've never had cause to use that. Neither have I. I didn't even know it was there. I don't think anyone's ever had to use it. I, just, I mean, don't quote me on that. Factory direct prices. This is what they do. Harry's cuts out the middleman and they ship it right to your door. Their blades are like twice the quality and half the price of a leading brand. They've had over a million guys have already made the switch. People are signing up for this every day. You could be one of them. Why pay like 32 bucks for an eight pack of blades when you get them for half the price at Harry's? So they have a a starter set here. It's 15 bucks. You get the wonderful razor. You get the moisturizing shaving cream and you get three razor blades. And generally they are, uh, they reject the notion of a discount because their prices are already low. But we worked out a special thing they're giving you $5 off your first order. $5 off your first order. Uh, if you use the code COMICS, go check them out. Thanks very much, Harry's, for supporting. Back to work. Harry's. Uh, I'm looking at my page at harrys.com slash profile. Um, I'm a very um, satisfied user of the Harry's products. I January 7th, I ordered some blades, and uh, they arrived in like in like less than a week. In like five week, in five, in like probably like three, two or three business days, they arrived. I ordered 16, 16 razor blades for $25. Now, That's I don't know crazy. if you people shave. I don't know if you guys shave, but I'm just telling you the idea of getting 16 uh, razor blades for $25 is, is monkey balls. Insane. Like, that doesn't happen. And they're great. They're great. And, you know, something Marco's talked about, uh, if you want to be really fancy, I can generally get. Just depending on how often I shave, just about two shaves out of a blade. I could get more, 
but I, I, rare, I would not do more than two because I'm not an animal. But this is, you are now getting to a level where if you don't even, if you don't shave too much, you can probably, I think you can feel pretty good about you do, living the dream and having a blade per shave. That's the dream. You know, that is the dream because then you get that sort of fresh experience every time you don't have, you know, I, I think it, I think for me, I've always been kind of forced in, into that because the, my, like the, my facial hair is like, it's incredibly thick. It's very like, dense. Yes. You look like Fred Flintstone or Homer Simpson. Right. After an not, hour not after that way, but you know, no, 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 very, no, I can tell you're like you're a really well. ripped swole Homer Simpson, like a swole, swole Homer. And it looks like you're, you're, you're not missing any meals and, uh, and your, your beard is very dense. Yes. And you know, I think I think for the for the people with beards out there, you still there. You've got to clean your neck up. You got to clean up the the cheek a little bit, so you well, still I, get I, one of these things. Don't feel like, well, I got a beard. I can't. Yes, you can. Yeah, but also like I I don't do this. It depends how much how long I've waited since I've shaved. It's been a real long while since I've shaved. I'll do a, a trim first, which my wife loves because now the bathtub is full of little stubs. Boy, she hates that. Um, but what I'll do is I I might start with the old blade, the previous blade, to do like the underside burns area. And any of the like more gross, coarse places, I'll switch it out for the new blade, and that's when I'll do the under the nose and the chin and all the parts where I don't want to cut myself. That's that's a shaving hack. You know, it, this show is about helping people, helping people out, it make their lives more efficient. Yeah, efficient. Well, I, I totally do. You I feel this—is it a money thing, or is it just a, like a guilty, sort of wasteful feeling? What of using only wanting to use the razor once? I think it's prohibitively expensive if you're out there using a, the major brand. And you're paying four dollars yeah. per, and you have to shave every day. I mean, you know, that adds up. That runs into some serious dough. Have you ever been in in a situation or a job where you had to shave every single day? Like it wasn't necessarily required, but it was clear that that was what was intended. Oh yeah. Could you do it? Can your skin handle that? Well, it had to. I mean, I would. I might phone it in for uh, like you know one or two days, but I would not go three days without shaving. It just looked, you know, this is a place where you had to wear a tie. And, you, you know, this is the 90s. We didn't have stuff like stubble then. It was in the <laughs> right. buy period for yeah. stubble yeah. between Don Johnson and today. And uh, so, yeah, I had to shave. It's just a thing I had to do. <laughs> so uh, what I said to this fella was that I think, I think, hmm, how did I put this? It seemed really smart at the time. I, I think that one problem with being a little bit overwhelmed has to do with something we've talked about a lot on here is estimating errors. And errors in like, well, first, I don't know if you call this an estimating error. But part one is not being entirely aware or up to date on how much stuff you're at least partially committed to right now. And and I'll, this is a strictly, uh, this goes right right to this GTD idea of the the mental sweep, like sitting down with a piece of paper and trying to write down for 20 minutes, just write down everything that's on your mind, everything you have any level of commitment to, which, which means, yeah, start at the top of the page by going like home and work, you know, Henderson project. But like, as soon as you get any granularity in what you're writing, you're going to discover if you're open to this idea, you're going to discover there's way more stuff on your mind than you realize. So you might go Henderson report and you go, oh, that's right. I have to call this person about getting the latest copy of the Henderson report. Or go like, oh, geez, I just remembered I might have jury duty next week or I need to get the lawnmower fixed. <clears throat> and once you start doing that, it can be very uh, illuminating to realize how much stuff you have some level of commitment to, right? So I think the part of the problem in the estimating error is we start by going like, well, here's this thing that I have to do or there's going to be problems. And certainly you want that on your list. But then what, you're may, may, what you may not be accounting for are the myriad other things you are somewhat committed to that have an unknown amount of time associated with them. 
So, you know, not totally knowing what you're, what's on your mind and what you need to do and not totally knowing how much time it's going to take. If you really knew everything that you had to do to a near certainty and you knew how much time it would take, this would not be a problem because it could not be a problem, in my opinion. Because, I mean, and here's why. Like, if you were up to date on the fact that you have, you're committed to 16 projects this week, each of which will take 80 hours. <laughs> For example, let's say you were being honest. I, I'm, I'm being extreme uh, for a reason here, but hopefully this will clarify a little bit. If you suddenly realize that, okay, I'm kind of committed to all these things. There's no way I could do all of this stuff in a month, let alone in a week. Well, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to try and like find that time? Are you going to try and find an amount of time that simply cannot exist to do it? Well, you can't. So now you're going to have to get more specific about what stuff you're committed to, and you're going to have to get a little bit more granular about how much time is involved. Because once you start doing this, I feel like some very interesting things start to happen. So in the case of this, this fella, you know, I try not to give people like advice because, you know, advice is lame. But, you know, at length, what I finally said was, well, I said, if, if it were me, I said, what I would figure is I would have a little thought experiment. I said, where for one month, you got these two outside projects. In his case, and forgive me, friend, I hope you don't mind me talking about this. I'm not using your name. And on the one, in the one case, you've got needing to work on this book. And in the other case, you've got wanting to start this thing with coaching this group or, you know, continuing those things. And I was like, you know, what I would do is pick one of those arbitrarily. I said, it sounds like the book thing is more of something that, that has to happen. So start with that. Now, now figure out, how many times, then, then, then uh, is this okay that I'm doing this? No, I like it. So you start, so let's say, let's say you're going to say for the next 30 days, my primary, what I said to him, the joke I made was decide what your primary secondary project is. So you've got the primary project of home and work and then your secondary project, pick one secondary project that you're going to commit to for the next month. And in this case say, okay, well, I need to work on this book. I need to <clears throat> work with this other person on this. And I was like, you know, at this point now, you start having to do a lot more real world estimating. So um, think about what time of day are you most capable of doing this project? Like in this case, writing. I said, in my case, I write best in the early, early morning. I said, but you might be different. So figuring out what times of day you could do this, what is, and then knowing how long you generally can be productive at that. Right. So, you know, again, there's that whole estimating error of putting eight hours on your calendar for Saturday and then being surprised you didn't write a novel. <laughs> well, I mean, there are not that many people who are even professional writers that that started out being able to write four hours a day. I think an hour and a half is plenty enough time until you're really good at it. If you can, if you end up being able to write more than an hour and a half, that's great. But like, let's say for the sake of argument, just in this case, an hour and a half. All right. Well, how often can you get an hour and a half solid to work on this? And let's go back to our first principles. Well, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. That probably won't happen more than twice or three times a week. Not least because you have to take a time loan from your family to do that. Somebody else is going to have to take care of the kids while you're doing that. You, to, to, to spend a dedicated, honest, gentlemanly hour and a half on this thing, you need to go somewhere else where you're uninterruptible. How many times a week can you get that? You see where I'm going with this. Totally. It, the cold reality starts to become extremely clear. So what? Let's say you can do that two days a week. One day a week, you get up at 4 a.m. and do that. Another day, you get up at 4 a.m. on a Saturday, whatever, however you work it out. Let's, but let's say now you've got, um, so that's 180 minutes a week. That's three hours a week, which would then, well, if we do our math right, assuming you can get this, and I would not do this by the day, I would do it by the week. So that's three hours a week. So for in a four-week month, 
uh, that means you're going to get 12 hours in the next month. So now schedule that. Make that make that happen. Set aside that time. Talk to the people who are involved. Talk to the stakeholders, whether that's the people you work with or your partner or your family, and say, this is the thing that I'm committing to. And then figure out, make, it, make your own estimate at that point. Make your guess. How much will I be able to produce over those 12 hours? Is that right? Yeah, over those 12 hours in the next month. Now, even at this point, you're already seeing the propulsive nature of this kind of estimation. First of all, you're going, oh my God, the best case scenario is I can find 12 hours to write this month. Gosh, I wonder if I should do this and start coaching. Hmm. (laughs) Okay. Because if the best I can do is 12 hours, I'm going to have to really knuckle down and make those 12 hours happen. And if I do uh, those 12 hours, like how much can I produce? Um, So what would that be? You might get 6,000 words, let's say, maybe 10,000 words. You could get a, a fifth or an eighth of, of the book done. You see where I'm going, though? Because the more you force yourself to think about the actual reality of how you, spe- how you will spend your time, you cannot help but see how doable it is. So having gone through that process and saying, like, let's say even hell, let's say you can do 24, 20 to 24 hours of writing this month. Well, first of all, understand that you're going to have to take a big time loan from somebody in order to do that, including yourself. That means you're going to have to start getting up. You know, I, the, the, this guy joked about how he's not an early riser. He, you know, he's a sleep in guy. And I'm like, well, you know, you know who gets to sleep in? People who don't have four projects. Mm. Like, if you're going to be somebody who thinks they can do all this stuff, you're going to have to really change your schedule around those big rocks that already exist. So I guess what I'm saying is start out by going like, okay, first thing, pick one thing that you're going to try to do, because this is going to tell you a lot about what you're capable of. Make a time estimate for what you can do. Make a deal with people in your life that that's the time you're going to spend on it, on this primary secondary project. And then actually do it. And then at the end of those 30 days, see how you did. Were you able to keep to your schedule? Did you, and you know, keep a log, really. Like keep a word count and how much time you actually spent on it. And when you're done, whatever your metric is for how much you got done, which could be something as simple as word count, um, check in with your writing partner, check in with your family, see how that all went. Because what you may find is even something as modest as I'm going to write an hour and a half, two times a week, that might be more difficult than it seems. So why is this useful? Because now after a month, I don't mean to be a karma suck here, but after a month, you can look back and go, wow, first of all, I can't believe how much harder this, how much more difficult this was than I expected. It was difficult to get up early. It was difficult to take the time away from other things. It was difficult to do the writing. It was difficult to do all of those things. So if you can come out after a month of that and go, wow, I I can do this, but I know now it's going to take five months. If this keeps going this way, this will take five months. And second, oh my God, what in the hell was I thinking that I could also have three nights a week of of coaching people? That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to make people unhappy. I'm not trying to say you can't do stuff you want. What I'm trying to say is if you want to do it really well, take it that seriously. If you want to take your email, if you claim your email is as serious as you as you say, well, let's see that. Like how much good time did you spend on that? How much quality time? And then what were the results? Right. So in this case, I think, and you, I'm sure you've been through this with software development, where one of the most difficult problems is estimating the amount of time it'll take to do something because you don't know how stuff is going to change. Let's say you're writing fiction. My God, who knows how that's going to change? So that was my, that was my suggestion to him was to take a month and do that, see how it goes. And then, you know, look back on how it went and what he would want to do differently in the following month as a result of that. But, you know, we're back to that old Chinese proverb, you know, if you chase two rabbits, they'll both get away. Focus on one thing that you're going to take super duper seriously. See how well you can do with that before you start shucking and jiving with 15 different little side projects. Well, I, you know, the subtext to this, is, and this is the thing that people don't 
like, I know I certainly don't like it, is that the conclusion you may come to is that you won't be able to do the things that you want to do, or you won't absolutely, be able to do all of the things that you want to do. Absolutely correct, yeah. yes. And that that's the part that I, like all, I would think all human beings kind of want to resist, you know, is it, well, no, wait, I still want to do that thing that I want to do. Like, I have to do this stuff over here, and uh, but this is what I want to do, and wait, you're telling me I can't do it? I, maybe I'm telling myself that I can't do it? That sucks. I don't like that. And it does like it really does suck. Like there's so many things and there and and especially in the case of somebody like that, where the you know, the book that he's writing might be a huge deal and it might free him from the burden of doing these other things that he doesn't want to be doing or a job. It might open up new opportunities. It might get him a better job. You know what I mean? Like there's that kinetic potential that's stored in the notion of I'm going to write a book or I'm going to do X or I'm going to launch this or I'm going to whatever. That's a, that's a very good way to put it. It's a very savvy way to think of it. But you know, another way to say this is the map is not the territory. If Mm. you take a map, a map is a flat piece of paper that hopefully accurately illustrates some piece of geographical land on the earth. Now you could choose to say, I'm starting here and I'm going to end there. There's the green pin and there's the red pin. And I'm going to make a string, go straight across those two to make a straight line, the shortest distance between two points. But that's, that works on a map, but it does not work on the planet earth because there will be mountains, there will be rivers, there will be highways. There will be things that if you don't actually look at the map and see what you're going to have to walk around, you're not going to derive an accurate uh, estimation of how long something's going to take. If you only ever look at the map you're not going to have any idea how difficult the territory actually is. So figure out a segment of that map that you're going to cross in this amount of time and see how well your estimating worked. I think, I don't, I don't think that's such a bananas idea. And and it reminds me a little bit of something I've been thinking about. And I, I don't know how to talk about this with my kid, but it's something I've been thinking about. Um, like there are these at least three states of stuff involving money that I, I, you know, on money, ugh, so gross. I hate talking about it and I hate money. But like, it's like, there's a, there is a difference between these three statements. Um, we don't have money for that. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, mm, we can't afford that. And three, we're just not going to buy that. Those are, ve- to me, those mean different things. And if they don't seem like the same thing, it's probably a good time for a, a check-in. Like I, I, we don't have the money for this. If my, you know, if my kid wants to have a mansion, I can honestly say we don't have the money for that. Right. Uh, you know, if my kid wants, uh, like another Lego set this week, I could say we can't afford that because it isn't that we don't have the money for that. It's that we, that's not in the budget. That's not, we can't just keep doing that. And if my, if my kid says, I want this entire barrel of Shopkins, I can say, you know what? We're not going to buy that. So I, those mean different things. Number one, we don't, you know, in the case of money, uh, we don't have the money for that, meaning that there is no actual way that we could do that because the money does not exist to cover that. The second kind of thing, we can't afford that. That means that we have a something like a budget or at least a rough idea of where money goes for things, and that doesn't fit into that. And the third one is, this is not the kind of product that we're going to spend money on even if it's really cheap. You know my <laughs> old bit, like we don't buy candy to get toys, we don't buy toys to get candy. Like to me, that's that's more of a value kind of thing. And I think having... That sense with money is probably a good idea, but if you th- everything I just described also goes for time. One is, I don't have the time for this at all. I cannot, I cannot take on this project that's going to be 60 hours a week. I, there's no way I could even begin 
to right, fund that with right, time. Right, right. The second kind of thing, I can't afford that. Meaning I, I can find time for the amount of time you're asking for. I just don't want to spend it on this. Right, right. There is the time, but that's not the time. Oh, I can find an hour, <laughs> but you're not going to get it, buddy. Right, right. Right. And then the third kind is no, it doesn't even matter. I could have all the time in the world, but that's never anything I'd spend my time on. And I, I'm probably being a little didactic here, but try to try to think about that. When you're deciding how much time you can and will spend on something, remember that it is like money in that sense that when it's gone, it's gone. And that is a, it's this fixed resource. So I, I think when you're deciding whether to do things, you know, you don't want to be unkind. You don't want to be glib. You don't want to just be doing urgent things all the time. But I think it's important to understand the difference between zero time, budgeted time, and no way am I ever going to spend money on that. Meaning time. Time is money. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But you you already I mean, if we haven't beaten this to death yet, I want to really call out the little trick and what I was doing with that guy, which is that for me to say to him at the top of that call, hey, you seem like a nice guy, but you're obviously taking on too many things at one time. That would be some potentially useful advice that anybody could use anytime for anything. What I wanted that guy to do was to walk himself through what was valuable to him and then show that it's valuable by by estimating an amount of time to spend on it, borrowing that time from somebody, spending the time on it, on the schedule that he's agreed to, and then seeing how that goes. Because my feeling is, you go 30 days into a program like that, and you are going to be a fundamentally different person at the end of those 30 days. First of all, you might be pretty exhausted to realize that when you, once you've done, let's say, 12 hours and 6,000 words, you might go like, wow, that was so much harder than I realized, where you can't help but say, no way, no way could I finish this in this amount of time, but also no way could I do like two other little side projects along the way. The irony is, or the paradox is that the less that we specifically estimate and then implement on that estimation plan, the less we can really understand how long stuff takes. And that's why things stay up in the air. And that's why we feel this sense of like, oh, I have too much to do. You have too much to do because you have not really been candid with yourself about what you can actually afford to spend time on. And that doesn't mean, again, that does not have to mean being a jerk. You get to decide all of those things, but they are still your decision. And it's difficult. And it's no fun. And it might all still get tipped up in the air if somebody has to go to the hospital. So those are all just the kind of things that you, you kind of have to keep in mind. So it's not a karma suck thing. It's just it's just trying to be more realistic about what the best use of your time is. And, to, and again, this goes back to a conversation a few weeks ago, the difference between being busy and being time constrained. Oh, yeah. like if, you have, if you have set aside your time well and made a time budget for yourself, you'll always be a little time constrained. Um, so I don't know. That, that, that's my thought on that. You know, I was reading uh, an interview with, uh, the current CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, and it was talking about his day and his schedule and how he's, I guess he's the CEO of uh, Twitter and also of uh, Square. Square, yeah, I almost said Stripe. Square, different company. And how he has, in order to perform CEO duties for both of those jobs, that he is incredibly meticulous down to the minute with his time and exactly how he spends his time and pretty much every single minute of his day is accounted for from, you know, not just from the minute he gets to work, but from the minute that he wakes up, which he, you know, he says he goes to bed. I think it was like 1130 and wakes up at 530. And like I was reading another similar article about Jim Cramer, who has an equally restrictive and specific schedule 
that he needs to stick to to get through his day. You know, if he's five minutes late for one thing, who knows what the effects of that would be. But in both of those situations, it's fairly interesting because, you know, in Jack's case, he's he's running two companies. There are a whole lot of people who are probably counting on him to be at a meeting or to to listen to something that they have to say or to write an email, you know, that, yeah, it has like a propulsive, maybe geometric effects, not just on everybody else, not, not just on the scheduling of the rest of his day, but upon all these other people. Yeah. Like when, when he messes up his schedule, that ends up affecting a lot of people. Right. You know, Jim Cramer can't be late for the rehearsal part of his show or else his show won't be on time, but you're doing a show for what is an MSNBC or whatever. Like it's gotta be on time. Like it's, yeah. it's going to happen. And most of us in our lives don't have quite those kinds of extreme deadlines, but looking at, at those kinds of schedules and saying, you know what, like it, it might be possible, like you were saying, it might be possible to do that kind of thing, but you also need to account for like how much flexibility you want in your day or in your schedule. And if you want to start something at three, but you have a time commitment that goes from two forty eight to three Oh seven, you know, oh, like yeah. you're going to be stuck. And, I remember listening listening to you talk about writing writing the things down that you're doing and and how long things take and how you feel about them reminded me of a really great talk that um, the uh, designer uh, Tina Roth Eisenberg who is at SwissMiss.com uh, she talked about uh, it was a different topic she was talking about how to how to figure out what kind of person to hire to help you if you're in that situation but one of her suggestions was write down all the things that you do in the day write down how long they've taken you and then put like a little smiley face or a frowny face or a neutral face next to the thing that you're doing to kind of give you a reminder of like oh i had to go and do this thing and it made me feel really good i really enjoyed writing code or writing that text or sending the emails that i had to do or you know, allocating time to, to just read or browse the web and like, was that fun or not? I, I love the idea of that because a lot of the time for me, I don't, I mean, I know what I do in a given day, but I don't really know exactly what I did in a given day. Right. Right. And, and making, not, I mean, cause it takes time to write all that down. If you're yeah. like, if you've had a job where you have to do billable hours, you get used to that and that becomes part of your workflow is that you're constantly like keeping a journal, basically how you spend all your time. Right. But you don't do that when you're just running around from thing to thing. That's right. And it, we, it's easy to lose track of how much or how little you actually accomplished in a day and what your feelings are toward that you know there we have this tendency i have this tendency to procrastinate about doing certain things that i don't think that i want to do or that i don't think that that are fun and a lot of the time those things aren't as bad as i really think they're going to do but i have no way to really remember that uh because i'm not looking at actual data about it like so much of our lives we we can collect information about that you know in in the olden days people used to journal and write things down and write down what they did in a given day. And I'm not saying it has to become a journal where you're writing down your deep emotional feelings about the 10 emails that you sent in between one podcast and a sponsor call. Right. But like writing down what you did or making a little note about what you did. And, and if that was something that was easy or hard and how much, uh, how much resistance there was to get that task done, measuring your resistance with a, a happy face or a frowny face, you know, that's, it, a, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. Another thing that's, you know, I, I, when I first heard people did this thing that I'm about to describe, I thought it was a little bit mental. But um, I remember first hearing that when people would use OmniFocus, uh, oh, yeah. they, would, 
they would go in and if they just finished a task and it wasn't a task that was on their list, they would go to that project, add that task, and then tick it off. Which is something that I, I occasionally do now, which I know sounds crazy, but think about the benefits of that in some ways. Is that first of all, what you're describing is like if you, like this is a classic productivity hang up is people going like, ah, here's the 50 things I have to do today. And then you have 50 things to do tomorrow. What very few of us account for on the one hand is what stuff will come up that's not on the list today. And is that all dumb stuff? No, that's stuff that needs to get done. So when people are beating themselves up about how much they're getting accomplished, they are in numerous ways not accounting for how much stuff A, comes up throughout the day and B, gets done throughout the day, whether it came up today or not. Stuff that wasn't on the list. So, and I think that you should be aware, you you don't have to go and write it down, but be aware that you did more than you thought today. Right. Just because you didn't do what was on the list doesn't mean you didn't do work. So I've done that. I'll go into OmniFocus and I'll tick, I'll say like, oh, I just paid this bill, tick it off. Now, some people actually then go back, and this is not a dumb idea. You can go back and there's a perspective. You you can make a perspective for yourself and OmniFocus to go say, like, show me things I accomplished today or this week or whatever. I actually think that's kind of useful, not just to say, hey, yay me, I get a a gold star. It also can be extremely effective for realizing or remembering. Once you're out of the busyness of doing those things, what else do you need to do now? Think about a game of baseball. You know, just you know, just because you caught the ball doesn't on on one bounce doesn't mean the play is over. You got to throw it to somebody else now. Or in tennis, like the a volley is just one part of the game. There's probably lots of stuff that still has to happen as a result. Are there any follow up things that you have to do as a result of what you did today? Go look at your calendar last week and next week, last month and next month. Is there anything you still need to do as a result of that? So, I mean, when you're figuring out why your day is so full of stuff. You know, stuff is just stuff. A pound of stuff always weighs a pound of stuff, no matter how valuable or useful or money making it is. It's still a pound of stuff title. So I I think, you know, I'm not saying to do this just for therapy, but as a way to be more effective and to, again, stay cognizant of how much you have to do or that you're committed to over a certain amount of time. Be aware of that. You know, it's one thing to be stressed out. You know, if you're in a situation, again, one of those horrible situations where somebody's sick, and you know that 100% of your, mostly 100% of your attention will be committed to taking care of this thing. That actually can be very, uh, it can give you a lot of focus because you know you have to say no to everything else. But, you know, every other day of the year, you're going to be, you're going to be confronted with lots of different calls on your attention. So keep in mind what you are actually, you know, capable of in that time. Could you uh, go, go look at show notes? I want to show you something. All right. Um, this is something I ran across uh, this week, written by, on, on her site, Bobulate. Liz Danzico wrote something this week, and it isn't often that I run across something about productivity stuff that I think is really smart, but uh, I feel like I've kind of seen it all at this point. I thought this was really smart. Uh, in this post on her website, Liz is responding to uh, something that's been getting passed around a lot, NPR and other places. This guy, Harold Pollock, I guess, tried to take all of everything you need to know about money and put it on one index card as an exercise. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Interesting idea. She says something else here. I, I personally, that's fine. But here's the part I'm really interested in is that she says, quoting here, uh, while, we, while we're taught the value of saving money, we're never really taught the value of saving time. Not saving time so we're more efficient elsewhere, but actually banking time, saving it for later. And so I'm going to read, if you don't mind, I'm going to read a few of the things. This is pretty short, but these are like, what, five things that she recommends that are going to sound so bananas right now. Uh, first one she says is max out your vacation days. If you work for a company, force yourself to take the maximum allotted days, uh, take at least five days a year, etc. Here's the second one. Keep 10 to, this is, get ready, you guys, this is really weird. 
Number two, keep 10 to 10 to 20% of your day every day free. So don't schedule 10 to 20% of your time at all. Leave yourself open for the unexpected. Uh, number three, schedule makeup events on a monthly basis. How many of us ever think of this? Set aside time to reschedule every lunch, dinner, or friend and family date you had to reschedule earlier that month because of professional obligations. You know, if you're a slacker introvert, you're so relieved when you don't have to do something. Oh my God, I'm so glad that got canceled. Well, oh, if it's valuable, make time to reschedule it. Uh, fourth, pay attention to recurring meetings. Oh, Hosanna. Avoid recurring meetings where you have little role. Attend them sparingly and purposefully rather than consistently. Totally agree, Liz. And then finally, promote your time off. Instead of celebrating how many hours you worked in a day or how many hours you've gone without a proper vacation, place value on your time off. Use it in such a way that it only refreshes you. It not only refreshes you, but you're proud of it. Why I say all these things because for most people, those things sound nuts. Like, you know the macho culture of your company where if you took a vacation, everybody thinks you're a big wuss. You know that you've got to be booked every second of the day because that's the only way you can ever get this impossibly large number of things done. No way could you afford to do these makeup events because you already have new events. No way can you not go to all the meetings because you have to go to all the meetings. And boy, how embarrassing would it be to actually be proud of the time you spent not grinding, right? This is all antithetical to a certain kind of idea yeah. about office and work culture. Yeah. But I, you know, I'm not saying you have to do all these things, but look at these as this, uh, a lighthouse for where you might want to get to. So, you know, in my case, things like wanting to take a nap or having time I don't have to do stuff on a given morning, it makes me look so lazy and maybe, maybe I am lazy, but like your life gets so much better if you schedule diligently enough that you don't have to have everything scheduled. But the only way to get there is to walk through that dark forest of not knowing how much you're committed to into the deep, dark woods of I'm not sure how long this is going to take to where you eventually just surrender yourself to like, I'm just going to be a busy nut all the time from now on because I can't afford the time to figure out what I actually have to and want to do. So I'm making a case in this new year, I guess, that that is a very valuable thing to do, to spend the time on a periodic basis to at least get an idea about what is kind of on your mind, how long it's going to take, and then force yourself back into the reality of going like, what life do I want to have? Do I want to have a life where the only way I get to have any dignity is to be on the verge of a heart attack for 30 years? Like, don't do that to yourself. If you mm -hmm. want to do something, pick the stuff that you really want to focus on and then schedule around it. Get up early if you have to, stay up later if you have to, and then see if that actually worked. But it's not enough to just be flustered all the time. If you're going to be a grown-up about that, you're going to have to also then have a plan, test it out, see how it worked, and change it over time. Otherwise, you're never going to accomplish anything more than just being a wreck. Mm. Love it. That's so good. That was a good one. You like that one? I like that one. It's hard. Um, did you want to tell me uh, one more thing you like? Yeah, and I think it's, you know, we work really hard to try and find sponsors for this show, especially that will make sense for the listener. And this one actually lines up really well with what we're talking about today. Uh, really glad they're here. Freshbooks.com. They're all about saving time. They're all about really making something that no one likes doing easier. And the if if you think of what FreshBooks is, it kind of breaks out into to three things, uh, sending invoices, tracking time, and capturing your expenses. And they do it in such a way so that the obstacles in getting these things done, the resistance that you meet in doing these things that are not typically that fun for people is reduced as much as possible. 
uh, they've, I think they've done, they've done studies and they said that uh, their customers spend less time on paperwork in general, that they are freeing up by using FreshBooks, they free up two days per month to focus on other things, two full days per month of basically stuff that we don't want to do. They make it easier to do it. It's simple, it's intuitive, and they make it so that accounting isn't intimidating. You can talk to a real live person anytime, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time, Monday to Friday, and it's built for small businesses. It's built for freelancers. It's built for people who just want to go and track their time and log their expenses and then invoice their clients. Like It's designed for that. It's really cool. They've redesigned their site recently so that if you if you kind of want to see the way that the FreshBooks can work for you. You go to their main page, freshbooks.com, and they've got like, are you a creative and marketing person? Are you a legal services person? Are you doing trades and home services? Or are you doing like IT and development? You pick the one and it'll it'll highlight the things and the, the way that it works. You know, like you can make invoices that look really good in like 30 seconds and not have to try and create them yourself in Word and wonder if people have seen them or not. Like all of this is built in. They make it super easy to see that kind of data and they make it really easy to get paid. That's the thing. And they've also something that's so cool. If you're like out on the go and you had a business lunch, what are you going to do with the receipt? You're going to fold it up. You're going to put it in your pocket. When you get home, you're going to put it up on the the counter. You're going to put it somewhere and you're going to forget about it and you're not going to expense it or you're not going to be able to send that into your accounting system because it's too hard to do it. There's too much resistance. Well, guess what? Just use your phone and take a picture. It goes right in the app. Done. FreshBooks takes care of the rest. I mean, they've thought about everything. So they've made a special URL for our listeners. FreshBooks.com slash back to work is the URL. And that'll let you try it free for 30 days. And when you're signing up, they actually have human beings that read all of the signups. There's a little blank in there that says, how did you hear about us? Just put back to work in there and we'll, we'll get credit for your referral and you'll get 30 days for free to try it out. So go to FreshBooks.com slash back to work. Thanks very much to them for supporting this episode. I love fresh books. You know, once another, in a, once know, in a while, a, a business comes around that really gets it, and they they really get it. Sometimes there's a man. That's another interesting example, though. <laughs> uh, and boy, this is something I'm really I. You know how it is, or like, let's say you quit smoking, and like you just hate when people smoke after that. And you're like, ugh, that's all I can do. Like with me knowing how bad I have been in the past about things like writing things down in this case, writing down those receipts. Like with my kids, she's supposed to keep a reading log and she reads a lot. And I, I'm like, you should get credit for all of that. Like if you read that horrible Diary of a Wimpy Kid book, like make sure you write that down like that. And she's, but she gets kind of slack about it. And then she's got to remember it at the end of the week. And uh, like FreshBooks is great at that. So like when I'm on the road, I just take pictures of the receipts. You're all good to go. I've been it's getting so into easy. the habit of, of just taking, trying to get into the habit of taking notes on things, whatever those things are, uh, just trying to remember because, you know, you, you watch a movie or you watch a TV show and you don't log that you've seen it. Well, you're probably going to remember that you've seen it. But what did you take away from that? Was there a cool time travel plot line that you thought was interesting that you want to compare and contrast to another and like write it down? Writing down that log, it seems like it's going to use up time. And I mean, it definitely takes up time. But I think there's some benefit to that, to being able to refer back to something that you did or some thoughts that you had, because we can't keep all that stuff in our head. There's something liberating, as you've taught me, about having a calendar and having a schedule and putting everything that you do on that calendar, on that schedule, not so much so that you can refer back to it and know what you did, although that's useful, not just so that you can 
remember to do it when the time is there, although that's very useful, but also just to know that you don't have to think about it anymore. You don't have to say, I need to, oh, right, I need to remember to do that thing. No, you don't. We have technology for that. It'll remind you when it's time to do it. And there's something incredibly liberating. At first, when you used to tell me about how you like live by your calendar and everything is on your calendar, I was like, wow, that that sounds kind of like crappy and retentive. But it's the opposite. It's the opposite. But it's the, 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 the liberating feeling you have of not having to think about it is is a huge gift that you've given to me, you know, over the years of teaching me to do that. Thanks for saying that. It's um when when you. It's, who was I talking to the other day? I was talking to somebody, obviously I've forgotten because that's the part of the joke, <laughs> but I was talking to somebody and like how their kid like remembers everything. Like you, this kid, they never write anything down. And I was like, well, you know, remind them to enjoy it while they can It'd be nicer to get in the habit of remembering to write things down. Cause believe me, you're not going to have that equipment forever. Right. And I think the process you're describing something that is so valuable to me, the idea of, again, things like reminders, things like a calendar, things like notes. And I feel like there's these three steps you've got, you've got honesty, humility, and then like consistency and they all work together um the the reason most of us don't do this is we're not being honest with ourselves um you know not 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 in a big important way but in the sense of going oh i'll certainly remember that thing um and you won't you probably won't but should you like do you really i mean is that is that really a source of pride in your life is you remember calendar stuff like is that what you want on your grave (laughs) that's like who who thinks that's cool Like, you know, only you. Like, that's weird. You sound like somebody's grandpa. I've never forgotten a thing. Like, shut up. That's really weird. So be honest and realize that you don't. Because then it takes humility. And the humility is that, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to grind on these dumb things that I do just because I've accepted that I am imperfect. And then third, if I'm consistent about it, this will all work. If I'm honest about what I'm not great at, if I, if I have humility about realizing I need to make a change in that, and then I have consistency about how I apply it, that's how you build a habit. And so in that case, it could be something like, I just want to remember, you know, every time, take a note of what movies I watched this year. You could use something like Goodreads, like what books did I read and what did I think of them? The tools are out there. Uh, you know, it's just, it does start with that honesty of going like, what would I like to be better at? Which brings us to, if I may, a little bit of uh, fake follow-up. Oh, good. I have an item too. Okay. Um, this is a, a nice email from listener Ian, last name withheld. And uh, just just suggesting, saying, if you read this before the show today, being today, I think it might be good to remind people of episodes 47 and 48, which were your New Year's resolutions episodes. Um, yeah, those are pretty good episodes. So I put those in show notes. If you're somebody who is thinking about New Year's resolutions, uh, you could go and check out those, uh, my goodness, those years old uh, episodes of the show. Those are good ones. So I just wanted to make thank you to listener Ian for the nice note, but I'll see you. I want to go check those out in show notes. Dan, Dan, in as much as you're comfortable saying, where would people find show notes for episode two, diggity 54 of your back to work program? Go to five by five dot TV slash B as in brother two is in the number W is in walrus slash two, five, four, two, five, four. What was your uh, piece? Well, it's something we've talked about on the show before and something I think both you and I have or hoped would be possible on our iOS devices. There is an app called F.Lux or Flux that is, uh, is available for the Mac that, uh, as, as we know, blue light is really bad for you to be staring at, especially in the evenings. It's not a natural light. And Flux has the ability to, once you install it and configure it, 
it knows what time it is. And as it gets later and later in the day, it changes the, I guess, would you, would you say the amount of blue light? It reduces the amount of blue light. Yeah, I mean, the, the simple version is, um, you're, you're explaining this well, but like the easy way to understand it is that the, the light of the sun is, um, like in the morning, especially, it's very cool. It's a very bluish sort of light. The light of like nighttime is more orangish, and that those you're sending signals to your brain from that blue light that it's time to be awake. Right. Which is why you know it's not a great idea to be looking at a screen in bed. And what Flux does is, like you say, it knows what time it is. It knows what time sunset is, and it very starts slowly warming up the temperature of light on your monitor until it is. You may not even realize it's almost orange. Mm-hmm. And it so looks. It's it's not, looks it may not be great. May not be great for doing like photo work, but like if you've ever got flux going at like ten, like I'll be done with a podcast at like ten or ten thirty, and I'll just turn flux off for fun, and it hurts. No, my it's eyes. Ter- yeah, it's ama- It's amazing, and it, it really does take some getting used to, especially once you forget that you've installed it, and you're like working later on the computer, and you're right, like, and you're like, what am I getting a cataract? What's happening? <laughs> right, but it's. It makes a huge, huge, huge difference, especially if you're one of us who tends to use a computer later into the evening and it, it makes such a big difference. Try it. It'll, it'll affect your sleep, I think, in a positive way. And I think it, it might even be bad in the sense that it lets us work maybe later than we should, but it's certainly better than staring at that awful blue light. Well, the only way to use, uh, is it F-Flux or Flux? I've always called it Flux. Flux. Okay. So it, it it has been impossible to install a, in a legitimate way, install this app on an iOS device. You could do what's called side loading, where you could download the code and you could use your own Xcode and make your the own. Same, the same way a developer would put their own app right, on a phone. Right. And it's, it's, it's called side loading and it's, it's not been a good way to do it. Well, Apple has announced or revealed in the latest version of iOS 9.3 beta that they have a feature called Night Shift that does this, and it does it automatically, and perhaps that's one of the reasons why they didn't want Flux in the App Store. Who knows? But the fact is, and the cool fact is, that we are going to be able to do this. Uh, Some news came out that said it's only going to be available on newer devices, so you've got to have like a 5S or newer, an iPad Air or newer uh, for this to work, Mini 2 or newer. But I'm very excited, and this is the first time that I've actually wanted to install an iOS beta on my phone in a very, very, very <laughs> long time. Yeah, but I think I really it's going to be neat. 9.3 looks pretty cool, There's especially for education stuff. It looks yeah. like there's going to be some really nice stuff coming. I'm looking forward to that because... You know, of course, what could be worse than sitting there and watching a like a time travel thriller at eleven <laughs> o'clock at night on a giant TV? Yeah. But uh, even in bed, I'll sometimes want to read a little bit in Instapaper in dark mode, right? Um, right before bed, and uh, I'll turn it all the all the all the way down. But on a modern iPad, like starting with that iPad Air two, even all the way down is still pretty still bright, very bright, even in dark mode. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'm hearing estimates; people are saying what probably late February or March likely to come out? I think that's what I've heard. I've, I've heard March, but I mean, this is so up in the air. It's, you know, I'm not, a, I don't recommend installing the betas for a lot of oh, different God. reasons, but this, just don't, just don't, don't do it. This makes don't. me want to like put it on an iPad just to, just to use it. Like if you've got an extra phone around, like, yeah, I mean, if it'll, it'll run that, but like, God, especially your phone, yeah. like, ugh, that's your it's, thing. It's, that's it's, your it's, main thing. 
Well, it's not so far off what we were just talking about a minute ago with deciding how long something will take. Like, if you really care, guess what? Go buy another phone. We <laughs> can afford another phone. Well, then you can't afford to do this because it will <laughs> screw up your phone. It's a beta. You know how you can tell it's a beta? Because it's called beta. Ugh. Don't do it. I kind of want to, though. Me too. Not going to do it. No. Not going to do it. Well, I think we've, uh, I think we've had a good show. We've, we're, this, is a, this is a tidy Tidy, wi- tidy whitey in our case. Tidy whitey. We still have, oh, we still have to get to listener Jim talking about future self. And I want to talk about listener Greg and perception is reality, but we can leave that for next week as far as I'm concerned. Nice. Let's yeah. do it. They don't, they don't have to be long. Nah. So she said, uh, let's put this up. <laughs> All right. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.